calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Realm presents Bookburners, Season 5, Episode 2. The island turned out to be much bigger and farther away than they thought. As they approached, they saw towns and the lines of roads, boats in a harbor, cars on streets. Ahead of them was a long slope dotted with rocks and brush. The creature put out its gangly feet, feet it had never used before, and ran to a clumsy stop before it sat down in the sand. Sal, Liam, and Menchu hopped off. Now it was the creature's turn to chant in the same language Asante had used before. It choked out a ball of metal parts and flopped over, dying. Asante blinked and woke up. I think I disenchanted it, she said. Put it out of its misery, Grace. Grace didn't need any more instructions. She punched into one of its eyes up to her shoulder. The creature shuddered. I found brain, she said, and pulled some out. Reached in and pulled out some more until the thing stopped moving. Then she got down on her knees, leaned over, and lay in the grass herself, exhausted. Sal knew why. Grace's candle was almost gone. She didn't have much time left. Two. They found a road down the hill from where they had landed and followed it, leaving the beast on the slope. They learned they were on Crete. Sansoni couldn't believe they had survived, but she made arrangements for them to get to Rome. It would be a ferry, then a car waiting for them. It will be good to see you, Sansoni had said, the friendliest words she and Sal had ever exchanged. The thought flickered through Sal's mind that maybe she was just setting them up to screw them over somehow. She'd learned not to trust Sansoni. But then again, maybe they were past all that now. Maybe they could put their differences aside to save the world as they knew it, and then get back to squabbling about their petty disagreements. 
The ferry ride through the gem-like water off the coast of Crete seemed like a time out, a sudden sense of normalcy, like she was on vacation. And with that thought, Sal fell asleep. Vatican City had become a fortress, with double the guards at the edge, a helicopter circling overhead. Sal wasn't sure what the point of it was. But then again, the people in charge of these decisions hadn't seen any of the wreckers with their own eyes. How could they understand how futile it was? It was designed, maybe, to make everyone feel better and more safe, until the wreckers came for them. The archives were still half-trashed from the demon invasion. Was it only last week? Sal thought. A week and a year. Far too much had happened. But the state of the archives brought it all back. The toppled bookcases, the paper on the floor, the blood still on the walls. The door to the hallway leading to Cardinal Fox's office was blocked off, suggesting that they hadn't gotten around to doing much cleaning yet. She knew from police work what it would smell like back there. She felt a hand on her back. Menchu. How are you doing? He asked. Okay, she said. You don't have to pretend with me, he said. I was there with you. I saw everything you saw and everything you did. You got us through. You made decisions fast and well, faster than I could have. But not as well. I learned that second-guessing every decision isn't as useful as it's made out to be. So you second-guessed. In Alexandria, the speed of the decision mattered almost as much as the decision itself. So in this case, no, he said and smiled. But now you've dodged the question. How are you? I'm tired, Sal said. Wiped out? No. You have permission to be wiped out. I'm not. I'm frustrated. I want there to be a plan of action. I want something we can work on. This regrouping and waiting around for a giant to put its big boot on us? It's not for me. You want to hit the streets, Manchu said. You can take the girl out of the police force, I guess, Sal said. I just want you to know that you're proud of me? No. Manchu said, I am proud of you, but that's irrelevant. I want you to know that I have your back. I believe in your instincts. I believe in your judgment. I trust you to decide and to do what is best. I'll offer advice when you ask, but only when you ask. Otherwise, I'll be a good soldier. I always want your advice, Sal said. I don't think that's what you need right now, Manchu said. That sounds a lot like advice. Manchu chuckled. I always knew you were smarter than I am. And look, reinforcements. Sansoni stood in the center of the library, the place where Asante's desk used to be. Next to her were Francis and Perry. Francis floating a little above the floor. She didn't need a chair anymore. They looked as tired as Sal felt. But the grins on their faces mirrored her own. She was so glad to see them. The plane, Sansoni said. That was something. I've ended up on the insides of living things too often, Grace said. I hope you had a chance to sleep on the way here, Sansoni said. It almost wasn't a choice, Sal said. Sansoni nodded. It's getting worse out there, she said. 
The English Channel? Sacramento? A mountain in northern India isn't there anymore. There's a hole in the Alaskan tundra, another hole in Antarctica. You can't get across Australia anymore. The English Channel one, Francis said. We saw it. It was smart not to take the channel. I heard it flooded. Were you close? Liam said. Close enough to see it. Those things are enormous. They're not like dragons. They're like cloud formations. What are we supposed to do against them? That, Sansoni said, is why I'm bringing everyone together. The delegations from the Americas and from the Far East are, thank God, still able to fly most of the way here. We should be able to discuss this tomorrow, assuming, of course, that one of those wreckers doesn't decide to show up here before that. Way to keep morale up, Liam said, then turned to Francis again. How's London? The same. Still weird. Yeah, the same weird, though there were more parties last night. And there will be a lot more this week. Makes sense, Liam said. Is it bad to admit that last night was fun? Francis said. No, Liam said. I wish I'd been there. I wish you'd been too, Francis said in just the right tone of voice, and Liam gave her a smile. Sal was so happy for him. But then she laid eyes on Perry, and her joy melted away. She could tell her brother was doing worse. She hugged him and felt the sharpness of his shoulder blades through his shirt. He seemed both wiry, muscles tensed for the fight of his life, and frail. His eyes shook a little in their sockets. His mouth twitched around the edges as if there were a million words in there, but he didn't know how to make them come out. Something rose in her that she knew she didn't have time to deal with. Not yet. How are you, Perry? Are we in the Parthenon? Perry said. His eyes were far away. Come on, Perry. How are you? He blinked. His face calmed, his eyes focused on her. I'm okay, he said. I think I'm okay. Do you remember when we drove to Virginia and the radio signals kept going in and out? I'm like that. Aaron and I were both like that. But I'm okay. It doesn't hurt. Perry. Sal said. Dinosaur poop isn't going to help anything, Perry said. What does that mean? What does what mean, Perry said. I meant what I said. It's good to see you, Sal. I was really worried about you. Sal hugged him again, looked in Grace's direction. She was talking to Asante. Then Asante and Grace headed toward Asante's old office. She wondered what that was about. What is this about? Grace said. Last time we were here, it was to tell me there was no hope for me. Well, Asante said. Remember when I told all of you that I learned a few things in Alexandria? Yeah, Grace said. Asante could hear the uncertainty in her voice. I may have figured out how to cure you. Grace was silent, and Asante watched as a few different emotions flickered across her face. Surprise, disbelief, maybe a little irritation. And then the one that stirred something in Asante, too. Hope. How, Grace said. Well, the procedure is a little complicated, 
No, Grace said. I mean, how did you do it? Grace believed her, Asante thought. She was skeptical, but she believed her. Asante relaxed just a little. That's the beauty of it, Asante said. There was no magic bullet, no device I suddenly found, nothing quite so cheap. It was just a moment of insight, a realization that in all the research I had done, I was much closer than I thought. But something must have changed. Yes, of course, Asante said. My understanding of magic. Going to Alexandria, the experience I had there, I'm still sorting through it all, but I get it more now. I see better how it works. And part of what I saw there was that I had thought through the problem in almost the right way. The problem of separating you from your candle. It was that I was still stuck in our conception of time. So I had always thought of the magic as having to reverse the process, don't you? To turn back time, in a sense. That's where I was wrong. Please don't tell me you're turning into one of those kooks on Team Four, Grace said. Asante laughed. No, nothing like that. But I did grasp that the way they lived in time was the right way to conceive of how to undo what was done to you. Not to reverse it, to step outside of it. So, in some sense, the problem became easier. I'm just barely hanging on to this conversation, Grace said. Asante took a breath. She was just barely hanging on to it herself. She was explaining it as much for her own sake as for Grace's. Think of magic as the river. To try to reverse something is to fight the current. It's hard work. To step outside of the spell done to you is to join the current. Let it move you downstream to just float when it leaves you in an eddy to let go. Once you understand that's all you have to do, it's the easiest thing in the world. So you think it will work? I know it can work. But it's risky, Asante said. I thought you said it was easy. In metaphorical terms, yes. In practical terms, I've never done it before, and I don't know anyone who has. There's a chance you won't survive the decoupling. There's a chance the candle won't last until I've completely separated you from it, and that will kill you too. So it's like an experimental medical procedure. On paper, there's no reason it won't work. But I can't say for sure. If you were me, would you do it? Yes, Asante said and meant it. But, Grace said, it'll mean I lose my speed, my strength. Yes. Grace was quiet. Asante couldn't read her face. Your speed and strength can't beat the wreckers, she said. I know that, Grace said. But can you even count the number of times I've used it to save us? No, I can't. And I can't tell you how grateful we all are for it. I didn't need you to say that. What I mean is that we may not know what we're doing right now, but it is not going to be hiding in a cave in Scotland or waiting it out here at the Vatican. I can guarantee you we're heading out into the world again, and though you're all so capable, capable in ways I'm not, the team needs me to be strong and fast, as strong and fast as I can be. Grace, Asante said, if we don't break the spell put on you, I think you'll only have a few months left. Look around. Grace said. If we can't fix this, do you think any of us have more time than that? Asante smiled.
So you don't want to be cured? No. You may not be on an elite team of investigators fighting the dangers of magic, but that doesn't mean you have to be defenseless when it comes to protecting your data online. Lucky for you, our partners at NordVPN know their way around the World Wide Web. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, which creates a sort of encrypted tunnel while you're online, protecting your private data like bank details and passwords so you can browse safely wherever you are in the world. In addition to providing you with a high level of security online, my favorite use of NordVPN is to virtually switch my location, so I can watch movies and shows that aren't currently available in my area. Plus, that way I can still access my favorite content when I'm traveling as well. I'm a fan of pretty much any British TV show, but they aren't always available in the US, so with NordVPN, I can virtually travel across the pond to enjoy my telly. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world, and you can get all that speed, protection, and virtual locations for the price of just a coffee a month. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com bookburners. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. We can imagine many potential futures. Some serve as inspiration, others, warnings. Wondery offers one possibility of the future in their new show, The Last City. The year is 2072, and the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So, Sansoni's dead. You've stepped back. Sansoni and Manchu were sitting in her office. Her phone kept pinging and she kept checking it, but Manchu could see it was just filled with updates of the people converging on Rome, the changed world they were seeing. To Manchu, it seemed Sansoni was already accepting this altered reality, rolling with it. She didn't want to turn back the tide. She just wanted to figure out how to live with it. It made him think that maybe his team had an ally in her after all, but he also knew better. He liked her. He wasn't sure he trusted her. Sal is proving a very capable leader, Manchu said. You knew she would, Sansoni said. Maybe. But I don't just mean that, Sansoni said. I mean you and the Vatican. You and the priesthood. You and your faith. Where was this conversation going? Manchu thought about the angle Sansoni might be working, the way these personal questions also might be political. 
She was right. She'd always been a shrewd observer, but he thought that maybe he should hold back. His unburdening of himself could be used against them. Then he decided that maybe he just didn't give a damn. So much has changed, Menchu said. And I don't just mean the world. In me, also. What I've seen, and what I've seen of the people around me, has taught me so much. I stepped back as the leader of my team, not only because I saw such a strong leader in Sal, but because in many ways I feel like a child again, like I'm just learning the new words for things. Some of the questions of our faith have been answered. There are higher powers at work, but they're not distant from us. They're here in the world, working their magic upon us. A good Catholic could argue that this makes them not higher powers, Sansoni said. You could argue that the Holy Trinity is still up there, distant and inaccessible, that this is God's work, as we see in the Bible. Good point, Manchu said. But I'm moving in a different direction now. Sansoni's eyebrows rose. You have changed. Now Manchu was flushed. There is so much tangible magic in the world now, miracles, great and terrible every day. It's more than we know how to handle. We are in crisis now, but if this crisis passes and we survive it, we need to find a new way to live, a way to keep a steady hand on the tiller. It seems to me that this is the foundation for a new kind of faith. A new kind of faith that sounds a lot like older kinds of faith, Catholicism and others. Sansoni said. It could be, Menchu said. So, you're going to start a new church, Sansoni said, leaning back in her chair. The way I'm talking it sounds like it, doesn't it? Menchu said. He couldn't resist laughing at himself. Right now, it's a church with one person in it. It only took 12 apostles to get Christianity moving, Sansoni said. Though I'm no messiah. Manchu said. Peter, then, Sansoni said. Manchu frowned. Now that it was articulated, it felt scary, but also maybe right? A challenge he could rise to. Sansoni's phone pinged again. This time she texted back, then turned to Manchu. But all this we've been talking about, Sansoni said, wiggling her fingers in the air. Makes me want to ask you something. You said we're in crisis and that you're already thinking about what happens after it. Do you think there will be an after? You're asking if we can save the world? I'm asking if we'll survive this. I think so, Manchu said. I hope so. And there's the man of faith I know, Sansoni said. Then her smile faded and she gave him a serious look. I know you've never fully trusted me over the years, and I've given you plenty of reason not to. But I'm not stupid. The Vatican's time as we knew it is over. All over the world, these old institutions are failing in the face of magic. It's change or die. If we get through this, some new institution is bound to form somewhere, something that carries us forward, and I want to be a part of that. There's the political operator I know, Manchu said. Of course, Sansoni said. I'm putting my cards on the table because I think your interests and mine can align. 
I want us to be compatriots in this. At least until it's no longer convenient for you, Manchu said. That's fair, Sansoni said. But right now, it's highly convenient. Manchu thought about it for a moment, then leaned forward and extended his hand. Sansoni shook it. Maybe you need to take off that cross you've got hanging around your neck, Sansoni said. Maybe that's why the maitres gave it to me, Manchu thought. So I'd know when to leave it behind. I suppose you're right, Manchu said. Should there be some sort of benediction, Sansoni said. We don't have the words for it yet, Manchu said. Sal and Grace lay spooning on the narrow bed where Grace used to sleep by herself. Sal was on the inside, facing outward. Grace's candle burned on the table next to them. Sal watched the flame. Was it smaller than it used to be? She caught herself riding on its every flicker and sputter, as if it was so precarious that it could go out at any second. But then she reminded herself that if she didn't know any better, she'd think it was just a normal candle. Come back, Grace said into her ear. Sal turned to face Grace. I'm sorry, she said. A lot going on, Grace said. Big day tomorrow. Just about everyone who knows anything about magic is gonna be at the same place at the same time. Never happened before, as far as I know. It's not that, though, Sal said. It's Perry. How is he? He's not good, Grace. He's... Whatever welled up in her that she fought back down before in the archives was welling up again. Grace, I think I'm gonna lose him. She realized she wasn't looking for comforting words. If she were, Grace wouldn't be the one to give them to her. Grace was far too pragmatic for that. Everything's gonna be okay. Sal wondered if Grace had ever had that thought in her life. No. What Sal wanted was acknowledgement. So simple, but so difficult for so many people. Except Grace. Grace didn't say anything. She just brought Sal in close, let Sal's forehead rest against her lips, and kissed it. The feeling welled up, threatened to crest. Sal gave herself a mantra. Keep it together, she said. Use it. Grace held her. Sal felt as if she were a small boat in a churning ocean. She couldn't afford to ride it out to wait until the end. She had to learn to sail it, even though the black clouds seemed to stretch to the horizon. I'm sorry, Grace said. Sal took a deep breath. He's the reason I'm here, she said. The reason I met you. I know, Grace said. She kissed Sal's forehead again, and Sal uncurled herself so she could see Grace once more. I guess I always hoped there was a way out for him, Sal said. There always was before. Or maybe it only seemed that way, Grace said. Sal marveled at how the words could have been so cruel, but the way Grace said them, they seemed almost impossibly kind. It was an acceptance of her impending grief. 
you have to know that you have done literally everything you could have. Keep it together, Sal thought. Use it. It's one thing to have been dragged into all this the way most of us were, Grace continued. I'm here because of Antopov, because he cursed me. I don't have a choice. Manchu is here because his village was destroyed. Liam is here because he was possessed. He didn't ask for that. Let's keep in mind that I was possessed too, Sal said. You know what I mean, Grace said. And what about Asante, Sal said. She's just crazy. Look, I'm trying to make you feel better, and I'm not good at this sort of thing, and you picking it apart isn't helping. What I'm trying to say is that I understand more every day why Menchu made you our leader. You're more driven than any of us. And I know that deep down it was all for your brother, but if we lose him, it's not because you failed. And it wasn't all for nothing. Then what was it for? Sal said. Do you like Liam's cave idea? No, neither do I. If we're going down, then I plan to go down fighting. And I hope you are too. <laughs> See, that's just it, Sal said. I can't lose Perry and you. Not all at once. I don't think I could take it. She glanced at the candle. I wish Asante had found a cure for you. Even though I'd lose my strength? My speed? Grace said. There was something in her voice that made Sal turn back toward her. Maybe because you'd lose them. Without them, we wouldn't have a fighting chance. With the candle, you don't have a fighting chance, Sal said. Grace was quiet. What? Sal said. Look, Grace said, I've already made up my mind about this, so it isn't a debate. There's nothing you can say or do to make me change my mind. You understand that, right? Yes, of course, Sal said. But the chances are excellent that we're going to come out of this summit, or whatever we call it, with some crazy plan that sends us headlong into a demon dimension where trees grow heads and then turn into birds or something, Grace said. Okay, Sal said. And you're our leader, and you need all the information you can get, all the information that's readily available. We can't be hiding anything from you. We can't be hiding anything from each other. So, there's something you need to know, Grace said. Will you please just tell me already? Grace took a deep breath and told her. You are listening to Book Burners. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Book Burners is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Margaret Dunlap, Murr Lafferty, Andrea Phillips, and Brian Francis Slattery. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Performed by Exe Sands. Audio production by Amanda Rose Smith with additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme by Hashem Asadolahi. Featuring Jody Redditch Ferber and mixed by Justin Morrell. Cover art by Annie Wu. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Find more shows like Book Burners by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. <laughs>